Hello, everyone. This is Melina, and you are listening to the RV Connects podcast. Welcome to episode 29. Dan is away this week, but I am thrilled to welcome Marianne Edwards, co-founder and chief boondocker at Boondockers. Welcome to the podcast today to give us some insight into boondocking and how to find free places to stay in a mid-pandemic world where camping reservations have seemingly gone haywire. So I'm going to take a minute. I'm going to wave the maple leaf a little bit uh, because I want to acknowledge that Boondockers Welcome is a Canadian-owned and founded RV camping company. It has over 20 700 host locations internationally, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And it's also growing fast with over 600 new hosts added in 2020 alone. So Marianne is also the author of the Frugal Shun Pikers Guides, which I love that title, the popular ebook series that guides you to the best free camping sites throughout the southwestern United States. We actually have the ebook on southern Utah, and I can attest they are informative, witty and in depth. And you can check those guides out on Marianne's other website, Frugal RV Travel, and I'll put a link in the show notes for you to check that out. So Marianne has become an industry expert in how to enjoy big travel on a small budget. She's been profiled in the New York Times and has contributed to many RV industry magazines and newsletters where she's shared her vast knowledge about finding boondocking. Marianne and her husband Randy also live in Ontario like us, but they are also lucky enough to spend several months on the road every year in their road Trek van, where they enjoy the quiet scenic camping that Marianne is famous for finding, as well as the hospitality of Boondockers Welcome hosts from coast to coast. So Marianne, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Melania. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, So perhaps we can start out with a quick explanation of how you define boondocking. I know people tend to have different explanations, but I think your definition is quite similar to ours. Okay, my definition is boondocking is camping in an RV for free without any hookups or amenities outside of a paid campground. Perfect. So anybody who's new to boondocking, that I think sums it up uh, pretty perfectly. So how did your own journeys help you discover the need for a service like Boondockers Welcome? And how does it work? Well, we um, have been traveling by RV for 20 years now. And originally, we kept going back because we discovered the Southwest and public lands in the American Southwest are really beautiful scenic places for hiking and and so many places there where boondocking in nature is available Mm -hmm. on public lands. So we kept going back there and really eventually started going, well, we got to go other places. Uh, we got to discover more. There must be more to see. So while traveling through Canada and the uh, eastern states more, uh, other states aren't as easy to find places where you can camp for free or low cost just because there aren't even the same amount of campgrounds uh, in national parks mm-hmm. or state parks that you find. So so it, it just was a lot more expensive. And we also... Um, in all those years of travel, met a lot of RVers. We're fairly social when we're on the road, and it's so easy to meet people, whether you're in a campground or sometimes just at uh, an RV dump station or anywhere that you've stopped for uh, for lunch. And we uh, would often exchange just a bit of conversation and be invited to come and spend some time in their neck of the woods, wherever they were from, and they'd 
maybe give us a card. Most of our viewers were carrying cards over the years, and they'd invite us, look us up when you come. And you don't have to stay in a campground. We, you can park on our property. So we have a piece of property ourselves here that we live in a very pretty little town, and we'd invite people to come back here too and just you know, stay for a few days while they explore the area. So the idea for Boondockers Welcome was really founded on things that we were already doing. And then in uh, 2009, uh, my oldest daughter was having my first grandchild. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, Mom, what's the idea that you had. Oh, I've missed a part here. What happened was my sister's daughter, so my niece, had gone through couch surfing, traveling through Europe. Right. So that idea spurred us to think, well, wouldn't it be easy for our viewers to have something similar set up? And we looked around online and there wasn't anything similar set up uh, where our viewers could connect with each other because our viewers don't even need to open their door and provide a couch or a bed. Mm -hmm. So we had that idea and uh, my daughter, who is a computer engineer, when she was on maternity leave, she said, Mom, what was that idea? Maybe I could work on something like that. So she developed the first website for us on days that I would come and look after my first grandchild. So it was a really great arrangement. And uh, it continued for, it, we didn't uh, actually go live with Boondockers Welcome website until 2012. Right. So it took a while to do it, one day at a time, one one day a week. I went over and, and played with little Peter while, while she did the, uh, the website. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. I love that it was that family venture. And, and what an exciting experience it must have been for you to realize that there was this gap in the market and that you could fill it. I think that's just so fantastic. So in a year like 2020 and 2021, where traditional camping avenues are really scarce, how can Boondockers Welcome assist campers in finding safe, unique places to stay when all the campgrounds are full? Okay, well, uh, we have, like you said, over 2,700 hosts around the world, most of them in Canada and the United States. So anyone who uh, has a self-contained RV, that means you've got an RV that's got a toilet and plumbing, uh, you know, sanitation, everything inside, because most of our hosts aren't willing to have, well, we don't want them to have to open their doors. So um, the website will let you search for all the host locations and see all the details of what every single host that we have offers. Mm -hmm. Many of them offer more than boondocking uh, in that they have some form of uh, electric power available or water available. Some of them even have a dump station available. So uh, it's all listed on their profiles and they, the host, will list what days are maybe not available or any other house rules or preferences that they have uh, and what size of RV they can accommodate. Mm -hmm. So you can do all that, really. Anybody can go on the online and, and, and see those. Then if you want to travel and use these uh, locations to stay, each host will state also how many nights, like some will allow only one night at a time and up to five nights. Mm-hmm. You can then request a stay with those hosts. To do that, you need what we call uh, guest privileges. Either you could either buy that one at a time uh, through the website, or what we really prefer and the best way, because it's really intended to be a pay-it-forward system as much as possible. If you can host yourself, doesn't have to be. You don't have to have space to park a big forty-foot RV. It could just be um, a space for an extra van-sized RV, like we have. 
Mm-hmm. If you've got that and you're willing to host other people, just occasionally you're in charge of when, how often, then you should sign up as a host and do that first. Because even if you haven't had any guests stay with you yet, you would pay half price for your guest uh, subscription for the year. But if you have, once you have some guests stay with you, each time you have guests, uh, you we give you uh, three months, three guest privileges. So as soon as you've had one guest, you don't have to use that three months right away either. You can activate it when you're ready. So if you're not traveling till next year, it makes sense to be a host now and have a few uh, guests so that on your next trip, you've got several different credits you can activate. Okay. That makes sense? Yes, yeah. I love that. That's a really good model, I think. And in true RV fashion, we actually, and Marianne knows the town we live in, in Ontario, it's quite picturesque, but we actually moved one block, one street over, because our old house did not have a driveway that could accommodate our RV. So <laughs> a year and a half ago, we moved one street over because we found a house that had the lot and the driveway that it can accommodate our RV. So I love that because now that means that we can sign up for the host process and uh, have other people come enjoy our little town as well. <laughs> so in terms of using a service like Boondockers Welcome or any public lands off the grid, what would you say your top tips for etiquette are as a boondocker? Well, as far as using our service uh, as a guest, definitely keep in mind that these hosts are not charging you anything. We do ask that if you use anything that costs them money, like electricity, that you offer to compensate them from that. And we do now allow hosts to actually request an amount on their profile if they want to be compensated because mm-hmm. we had so many questions of people saying, well, what's adequate? And it changes. It's it's hard to say. The difference would be between one area and another what electric charges are and also depends on how much, what size of RV you've got and whether you're running air conditioning or not. So the idea is that the best etiquette is to make sure that you have read the house rules and we do uh, ask that you abide by those, of course, and um, make sure that you spend a little bit of time with, with the host if they're available to and want to spend time with you, just so they get to know. They, they're allowing you generously to be on their property, so spend a little bit of time at least visiting with them, although take your cues from each other. Mm-hmm. Hosts, they are doing this out of the generosity of their heart, but they often will want to hear where you've been, hear your RVing stories, and tell their own. So uh, take a cue from each other about how much social interaction that that uh, is really welcome. Some people are using our service just to travel through and have a quick night's rest because they want to get back on the road in the morning and As long as you convey that, you can convey all that ahead of time in a message if you want, then everybody knows that what's expected and what, uh, how much time you'll actually spend socializing. Mm -hmm. Most of the times the hosts are anxious to let you just know what's available in their area. Like when people stay with us, we often will hand them a a local street map and point out the, the different places that there are to hike or or shop or restaurants that we like, etc. And uh, if we have the time, uh, we will actually take them around to some of these places. So, but the etiquette there for for being a guest is definitely being kind and and um, grateful for your stay. So don't leave without saying goodbye, etc. Right. And you asked about boondocking in in pub, um, public lands as well, mm-hmm. or or anywhere else. I mean. 
it's the general rules of camping are, you know, leave only footsteps, right? Mm-hmm. So clean up after yourself. Don't leave litter behind. In fact, often in some of the most beautiful places that we've camped, we arrive at these well-known boondocking spots and we end up picking up garbage that was left by the first person, the last person that was there. So that I don't mind doing that because that way, if I'm sitting there for the next few days, I don't have to look at that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's always good to uh, to qualify the boondocking statement with, yeah, leave nothing but footsteps. And I love that the, you know, the Boondockers Welcome website I found is really easy to navigate in terms of finding what you're looking for in terms of like the length of your rig. Um, we're planning a number of stops with various hosts, COVID dependent, if we can get on our trip out to BC in August. But a lot of them give really great detailed information. If you're if you're worried that your rig is too big, they tend to have a lot of uh, information in the description that says, okay, yeah, you we can accommodate a larger rig, but you might need to make a tight turn here or there. So there's a lot of that information on there already. But I do want to touch on on the size uh, issue for a minute, because I know a lot of people like us, I mean, we went from an eight foot trailer to a 29 foot trailer. And, you know, getting into boondocking in the first place was something that seemed almost insurmountable for a larger rig. But I'd love to get your feedback. I know you travel in a van, but I know you've probably seen rigs of all sizes out there. What's your general opinion on whether a larger rig can participate in the boondock lifestyle? Absolutely can participate. We see all kinds of larger, uh, whether it's a trailer or a motorhome, uh, up to, you know, 40 feet or more, whether they're towing a car behind them, all kinds out there in public land. And uh, when we when we travel through the States or Canada, all kinds of them using it. Of course, you will be limited mm-hmm. more, more. So the, the larger you, it is, the more you'll be limited. With uh, Boondockers Welcome, you have a filter. First of all, as a traveler, you're going to fill out a guest profile and you're going to put the length of your uh, trailer or motorhome in that so that when you then search for hosts that will... Uh, fit once you've logged in that will fit your RV, only those will come up. So you can filter your results for the the rig size so you won't even see hosts that can't accommodate you. So that helps a lot with that. And uh, every host has made their best estimate of what type of RV or what size that they can accommodate. They can certainly measure what size the parking spot is. But mm-hmm. sometimes, like you mentioned, the turning radius is is another thing. So um, if you have any concerns, there's a, a method where you can message through the website back and forth with the host. And after they've accepted your day, you can actually have the, each other's phone numbers. So you can actually have a call and talk about any questions you have before you even arrive. Oh, I love that. That's great. Especially, you know, having that capability to speak to somebody on the phone, because sometimes that's so much easier <laughs> to yeah. to explain uh, rather than through message. Oh, that's excellent. So on, on a different podcast, I actually heard you speak about how one of the main joys of your travels is seeing what's around the next bend. And that really resonated with us. Because, you know, convincing people that long road trips are worth it, even on a part time basis, like the way we travel is kind of the whole reason we began the podcast. But we know making all of those stops to, you know, 
get from Ontario to the Pacific Ocean can get very expensive if you're paying for, you know, provincial or private campgrounds or state campgrounds at every spot. So are you able to give us a little insight on how much boondocking can save the average traveler? Well, if you boondocked every night, you'd save whatever your camping fees could be. So if you're spending $25, $30, $40 a night, add it up to, uh, you know, what's the length of your trip? months, etc. We've certainly done all kinds of trips where we spent far less on camping than we did on almost in, on fuel or almost anything else on our trip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it. Uh, I actually have on my frugalrvtravel.com website, I have sort of our, our largest, most extended trips. Some of them we travel like for five months at a time often. So some of them, uh, I have the, the expenses exact listed, and you'll see that the camping uh, costs of most of them are way below what most people would expect them to be. So mm-hmm. Saving hundreds of dollars, really. Absolutely. And I would argue, especially in Canada, because I think we know provincial parks tend to be a whole lot more expensive than the ones you find south of the border. So, you know, you could be saving, you know, up to $60 a night, which is which is no small fee. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's not really even about the cost sometimes these days. It's become more and more about the uh, availability. Because mm-hmm. if you haven't booked your summer camping by now in Ontario, good luck. Yes. So uh, you could arrive. We do find, though, that sometimes you, you can get in last minute when people, you know, the website will say that the campsites are all full. But if you arrive and say, is there anything to for tonight? You may not be able to get two nights in a row in the same campsite, but uh, we've had some luck with that even last summer. So finding campsites available can happen even when you haven't made reservations. We don't like to make reservations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we, You know, with um, Boondockers Welcome, you do have to request the stay, but many hosts are, are open to um same day request mm-hmm. uh, and reply right away. So whether they can take you or not, if you don't have any other plans, there are lots of other um, websites that are available to help you find a place to stay for the night. Um, I have sort of a little list of those if anybody's interested. Sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, t- that tends to be how we travel. Um, we don't plan yeah. our overnights if we're, if we're just kind of booking it out to get get to a specific place or see a specific area and just you know a couple hours before we feel like we might be tired (laughs) we might start looking for a place further up the road and I think we like to earmark places right like we tend to travel very far very quickly but we earmark those places like oh we'd really love to go back and spend more time in this area or that area and I think that's where boondockers welcome something a service like that like you said when you when somebody stays with you and you hand them out a map or or things in the area to see it's so valuable to talk to the people who live there as opposed to just a random campground to find out the really cool things that you might never know about otherwise. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So but there's other websites and maybe I'm sure you probably use them yourself like ioverlander.com. Have you found that one? No. Okay, look that one up. And um, Campendium. Yes. Um, OvernightRVParking.com. Yep. Those those are all websites, and they have apps that you can that'll help you find places that other people have found, and then they contribute them to the website. And so they're updated. So you got to sort of watch for the reviews and see when the last time they were updated and stuff. It's sometimes a little bit more difficult to know what size of RV 
can they can accommodate. But if you're just looking for a place to park overnight that um, other people have found where it's free and uh, legal, um, overnightrvparking.com tends to be more um, Walmart parking lots and retail parking lots. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it's good to have something like that because they are the rules change, right? Every Walmart doesn't allow you to park overnight. Correct. Um, so and every Cracker Barrel restaurant in the States doesn't. It's good to know that in advance. So those websites are good. There's another one called Free Roam. I haven't used it much, but we just discovered it uh, last year. Okay, Free Roam. Free That's Roam. A it's, an app. it's an app. Yeah, I don't know that the website, but it is an app. Okay, I know RV Parky is another one we use, but you, you bring up a good point when you when you're talking about reviews, and we've talked about this before. Is make sure that you're leaving those reviews if you use that service, whether it be a host That's on right. Dockers Welcome or you know somewhere uh, OvernightParking.com, so that when people log on, they see a recent review and don't assume that nobody's camped there in you know four or five years. That's right. Another good one is Harvest Host. Have you, have you joined that one? Or we have not yet. It? We have not yeah. yet, yeah. but I'm really excited because yeah. I hear great things as well. Yeah. So one thing I think I would love to ask you about, because we get this question a lot and, you know, I love to get this from a Canadian perspective in particular, and that's about, you know, staying safe while boondocking. I think a lot of people like are aghast when they hear us talk, you know, where we've traveled and where we've stayed overnight. And, you know, um, you know, because we're Canadian, because we have you know, particular outlook on on personal safety when we travel that might be different uh, than, you know, people in the United States. What would you say to people who were worried about, oh, staying out in the middle of nowhere? Is it safe? One thing I would say is start off by um, boondocking where you see other RVs parked. So there's quite a lot of places that are popular boondocking spots. If you see other RVs, then make sure that you, you know, sort of arrive in daylight hours always and connect with them just by saying hello, anything else, because now you've got to know people a little bit and they know you're there. You're kind of in the neighborhood keeping an eye out for each other. I also say try that and eventually you will find that you're going to want to probably just be off by yourself a little bit because that's almost the idea of boondocking is you don't have to be right up against your neighbor like you are in a campground. Mm-hmm. Once you've done it, it really makes sense to me that why would somebody drive all the way out to find somebody on on a piece of public land if they're criminally minded? Uh, it's so much easier for criminals to find an area to break into somebody's house or to do something in the city. So they're lazy. They're not going to drive down the roads that you end up having to drive down to find boondocking like that. Mm-hmm. And also, like, we've never had an, an incident, really, in, in 20 years of boondocking. Mm-hmm. Also, I think, are you any more safe, really, from uh, break-in or robberies while you're away from your camper in a campground? Because in a campground, just because there's a campground with a fence around, it doesn't mean that other campers in the same campground can't include some dishonest people. True. So if, you, if you're, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah. Right. Um, so if if you're going to let those fears stop you, my biggest advice is to just try it and try it gradually. Talk to other people too. talk to people like us who do it like you, like us. We've done it. And I don't know what else to say other than, I mean, we're Canadian. We're not going to start carrying guns. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> and yet that's one of the questions that when we are traveling in the States and we meet people, some of them will say, oh, 
are you not, you're Canadian, are you not carrying, how can, how do you feel safe without that? Well, I feel safer without one because if somebody got a hold of it, I'd be their first target, I think. Oh, yeah. And I I think, you know, we, people are just aghast, like, oh, you stayed overnight in Albuquerque and you didn't have a weapon. It's like, well, no. And they were really friendly. Like, we, I don't know. I think maybe we just have it, have yeah. a different outlook. Yeah. Yeah. But people, if you're, if you're that afraid, you probably should stay home. True. You know what? I fully agree. But I, I think it's great to put it out there and have people listen to that because, oh, the beautiful sights you will miss if you don't take that chance and give it a try, right? And if you try and it's not for you, then it's not for you. But I think there's there's so much out there to see that we definitely miss if we don't take that chance on it. Yeah. So I'd like to end off with a question that, you know, Dan and I love to ask this of all the travelers we meet because I think it really adds value. It'll add value to our listeners by helping people find new special places. So I will pose the same question to you. And that is, what is your favorite place or area to camp? Like the one place where you could return to time and time again and never get bored of? Well, I always uh, end up saying Utah because Mm -hmm. Southern Utah has the most beautiful scenic places and some absolutely wonderful boondocking. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd, I'd like to, however... Add Highway 395 route on the eastern side of the Sierras in California. Okay. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous route the whole way. Quite a bit of boondocking along the way and uh, natural hot springs. And if you're into those, we like those and we like to stop at them. So there's that added little bonus often. And we, we end up boondocking right at some of the hot springs or nearby. Okay, that's fantastic. So that's a new one, new one for us. We haven't heard that one before. And I imagine that highway is would fit your definition of shun piking. Yeah, the the definition of shun piking being avoiding the main turnpikes and the freeways. So it's not a freeway. It's just a two lane, sometimes four lane highway. Yes. Oh, I love that. Well, Marianne, thank you so much for uh, coming on and talking to us. We'd love to have you back again because I think we just kind of have hit the tip of the iceberg. I'd love to talk to you sometime about maybe Canadians traveling extensively across the border and, and all of those things, what it means for insurance and all that kind of stuff sometime. But uh, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. And we hope to have you back again. Wonderful. I'd love to be back. Thank you. Thanks so much, Marianne. Hey, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this interview. And if you want the show notes from this episode, head over to rvconnects.com, where we'll have the links to Boondockers Welcome and Frugal RV Travel websites and social media as well. Once again, thank you to Marianne for joining us, and thank you for listening to this podcast. Happy travels, everyone, and we'll be back in a few weeks with our next episode.